to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. It's so good to be in worship with you today. I want you to know over 900 people joined us for our Glory of Christmas Christmas concert last Sunday. Over 100 folks were watching virtually online. Uh, if you missed it, you can go to the roswellpress.org website to view it anytime on demand. It was just such a beautiful night to come together and worship and celebrate the joy we have at Advent. I also want you to know that in Alderman Hall this week, we partnered with North Fulton Community Charities to host their Toyland event. We served over 650 families. These kids received toys that they wouldn't have received, and they got to purchase them. It was really a fantastic time to bless some folks in our community. And, you know, we can only do that kind of ministry and host these events because of your generosity. So I ask you to remind, uh, remember RPC in your year-end giving as it comes to the end of the year. Today we're going to continue our sermon series on living traditions. And we're going to look at the tradition of the Christmas tree. And I've been telling you that You know, traditionalism is the dead faith of the living, but tradition is the living faith of the dead. I also said that tradition is a conversation across time. Somebody in my men's Bible study was listening, and he said, have you seen the opening uh, credits or the opening scene on Fiddler on the Roof? And I hadn't, so he sent it to me. And it's really interesting because the lead character, Tevye, he's looking directly at the screen. And he says, how do we keep our balance? How do we keep our balance? And then he says, exclaims, tradition! And then he goes and he sings this song, tradition. I like that. Tradition helps us keep our balance. So we're going to look at a traditional passage from the book of Isaiah. As Isaiah kind of uses apocalyptic imagery to tell about the coming of the Messiah to earth. Let's look at Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 10. A shoot shall come out from the stalk of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the earth and decide with equity for the weak of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nation shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask in the next few moments you might be our teacher. That you, by your spirit, might speak a word that only you can speak. Lord, that these words would not remain dead, lifeless ink on a page, but your spirit might animate them and help them spring to life and speak to our hearts as only you can speak. Now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. (coughs) Excuse me. I am only here because somebody loved me. Long before I could reach out and hold on to someone, someone held me. Long before I could ever change my own diaper, someone changed it for me. Long before I could ever feed a bottle to myself, someone else gave me a bottle. Before I could crawl and move around, someone swaddled me, someone put me in a crib, someone loved me. I'm only here because somebody loved me. And guess what? I know you're only here because somebody loved you too. We all come into the world as dependents. We're dependent on someone else to put their needs below our needs to take care of us. We are dependent on someone else's love and care. We are dependent creatures. In the world of human beings, there's no such thing as a self-made man. We're only here because somebody loved us. And this is what the tradition of the Christmas tree reminds me of. It reminds me that we are all part of a, a family tree. We were born onto a limb of the tree, not of our making. We didn't plant the tree. We didn't water the tree. We didn't decide when we were going to find ourselves on the tree. We weren't there, and then voila, here we are, world. It was no different for Jesus. The prophet Isaiah says, when the Messiah comes, he will be born into the world, part of a tradition, part of a lineage. Part of a family tree. In verse 1, a shoot shall come out from the stalk of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out on its roots. And then in verse 10, it reads, On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. The Messiah will be born onto a family tree, he'll be part of a tradition. And at Christmas, we celebrate that the one who is born in the manger is the culmination of a tradition. The Christmas tree, in so many ways, reminds me that we are all part of a family tree. The Christmas tree reminds me that somebody loved me. But just because we're loved doesn't mean family trees aren't complicated, amen? (laughs) Like family dinners around the holidays, family trees are anything but simple. In 1913, about 60 miles outside of Nashville, Tennessee, a man named Murray Bowen was born. Bowen would go on to get his medical degree at the University of Tennessee in psychiatry. Over the next several years, he'd bounce around from hospital to hospital, eventually landing at Georgetown University Medical Center. 
Through his observations at the hospital, he came up with a new branch of psychiatry called family systems theory. He believed that human beings are part of systems. And if we could understand the systems we're a part of, we will understand our relationships better. We'll be able to heal our problems in society, in work, and in families. One of the techniques used in family systems theory is called family mapping. Family mapping is basically where you draw a family tree and then you use this visual depictions to kind of code the relationships between family members. And you follow it over several generations. By, by doing a family map, you begin to notice patterns that emerge across time. Maybe an uncle's alcoholism helps shed some light on a child's struggle with addiction. Maybe a divorce points to anger that seems to be lurking below the surface. Maybe uh, the death of a loved one points to unresolved grief and sadness. A family map helps us understand our lives as part of a system that we are born into a complex family tree. A number of years ago, I was taking a class on family systems theory, and the professor asked us to do our own map for our families. And I'd always thought that my family's pretty boring until I did the family map. I began to notice I have two siblings. Both are adopted. One, she decided, my sister decided to reconnect with her biological family. My brother did not. They're part of my family tree. A really fun one was my grandfather was married before he married my grandma. What we didn't know until late into his life that he had a child with his first wife that we didn't know about. And then she had had other children. Guess what? Part of the family tree. The woman who I grew up with, my paternal grandma, wasn't biologically my grandma. My biological grandma died when my dad was in his 20s. And then my grandfather got remarried and she brought children into the family and grandchildren, and they, I knew them as my cousins, part of the family tree. Rather than a fam, calling it a family tree, maybe we should call it family kudzu. But even with all the complexities of family tree, I know something. I'm only here because somebody loved me. Somebody loved me. Families are complicated. And the Christmas tree is a reminder that we are a part of a complicated people. And it's no different for Jesus. Born to an unwed mother. His dad is going to try to take off and abandon the family. It's only stopped because of a dream. Jesus' family tree was full of wild characters. Of the four Gospels, only Matthew and Luke tell or give a genealogy, a family tree for Jesus. I've always liked the Matthew version because it includes some unexpected characters. People that you'd think you'd try to like kick off of the tree. But Matthew says, no, they're there. They're part of the lineage, the family, the tradition that Jesus comes out of. I can just imagine Jesus as a young boy. Mary says, come here. Come here, honey. Sit on my lap. I've got to tell you about your family tree. Let's start with Abraham. He was, he was a good guy. Father of our people. But don't forget, he did try to sacrifice his son. Oh, and, and, then, and then let's get to Jacob. 
Jacob was a real rascal, a thief, a swindler, stole the family birthright, part of your family. And then there came Judah and all these other guys with complicated names I can't pronounce. And then I imagine Mary stopping. Mary saying, guess what? I know you've heard a lot of people say bad things about me, that I was unfaithful to your dad, that I'm a bad person. Well, guess what? I want you to know that's not true. God's up to something with you, Jesus. We're going to find the culmination of a tradition in your person, your ministry. Let's look at some of the surprising women, she might have said, a part of your family tree that point to how God works in unexpected and surprising ways. I think Mary would have said, Jesus, there are four women in your family tree that are kind of surprising. Number one, they're women. Number two, they're not even Israelites. Take Tamar, for instance. She lived at a very different time than us, but she used kind of her wily, wise instincts to get Judah to fulfill his responsibility to carry on the family line. Jesus, you're only here because of her. Tamar was a Canaanite, and so was the next woman in the family tree, Rahab. A lot of people don't talk about this, but when Joshua and the spies went into the city of Jericho to search it out, they stayed at Rahab's house. Guess what, Jesus? Rahab was a prostitute, part of your family line. Let's go on. Then you have Ruth, who's married to Boaz. But friends, her mother-in-law, Naomi, is this great symbol of fortitude and friendship. And through Ruth, even though she's a non-Israelite, will come King David. And the fourth woman on there is the wife of Uriah, but we know that's Bathsheba, the low point of Israelite history. When David conspires to have her husband Uriah killed in battle, so you can kind of cover up that he's fathered a son with Bathsheba. Guess what? Part of your family line, family trees are complicated. These are people you wouldn't expect to be a part of the family, but there they are. These are unexpected people in Jesus' family. And I've always taken great comfort in that because maybe there's room for me. Maybe there's room for you. If we've, be honest, all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen into imperfection, yet God's grace sinks us out and brings us onto the tree. None of these people could prevent God from what God was doing by paving the way for his son, for the Messiah to come into the world. These stories demonstrate that all the way back, God is a God of grace and love. God's gracious purposes will come to completion. The tradition of the Christmas tree stands as a reminder that we are only here because somebody loved us. I don't know if you've been getting them this Advent season, but I've been loving reading the daily devotionals from our members and staff for Advent. One of the features I've noticed is mostly all of them are about families. I loved hearing about the families from Guatemala staying up late into the night till midnight on Christmas Eve and then shooting fireworks off. I love reading this week of, of a woman who has this beloved nativity scene that she grew up with, her mom teaching her the story of Christmas through it. 
And then her mom gave it to her to use with her kids. And now she has handed it on to her kids so they may use it with their kids. And I love that. I loved reading the story of a dad. A dad pulling a wagon with his kids in it so they could go see the lights and decorations in the neighborhood. I loved reading the story of a dad introducing a Charlie Brown's Christmas to his kids. He had to go and find the VHS tape, and they're like, what is that? And he says, I'm old. But there it is. You're part of a tradition, a family tree, receiving something and then giving it on. This past week, Lindsay wrote beautifully about her and Scott and their family, whatever they travel, their experience. They, they buy an ornament that they bring back, and they, they hang on the tree. Becomes a reminder of their family together, their experiences down through the ages. Christmas trees remind us that we are only here because somebody loved us. I have a tradition myself that the week after Thanksgiving every year I go up to New York and I go see my favorite band play in Brooklyn. And I went up there for one night this year. In the morning I was scheduled to fly back. I wanted to go to the Museum of Modern Art. I went there and by the time I got there the line was too long and I I wasn't going to make my flight. So I decided I would just take a walk around. So I walked down Fifth Avenue, and I went to Rockefeller Center, and I saw that beautiful Rockefeller Christmas tree. It was awesome. The beautiful sight is families walking around, taking pictures, eating, drinking hot chocolate, the kids on the the ice rink below skating, the music coming over, bringing me into the Christmas mood. I kind of got reflective. I decided to continue to walk. Walked around down Fifth Ave and in front of the Rockefeller building. I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a statue of Atlas with the world, the earth on his back. He's, it's almost crushing him. He's trying to hold it up. And it confronted me. There are really two ways to approach a human life. Atlas being bared down, weighing all the anxiety, all the stress. I got to earn people's love. I got to earn people's approval statue there in front of Rockefeller Center, I kept walking down Fifth Ave, and I came to St. Michael's Church, and I went in there, and it was so glorious, so beautiful, I sat down in a pew, began to say some prayers for some folks, and thinking about Christmas and Advent, and I noticed a green fluorescent light at the front of the church, and so I walked up to it, and there, a nativity scene, and there I looked And it hit me. The Christmas tree reminds us that we are all born into the world and there's a choice that stands before us. Are we going to be like Atlas trying to hold the world on our shoulders with all the anxiety, the worries, the stress weighing us down? Or will we come to the nativity scene? Will we look in the manger and see of God's love, God's grace, coming to us in the form of a child? Will we receive the good news that God wants to make us part of the family tree? Looking in the manger, I I remember that profound truth. We're only here because somebody loved us. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you have loved us in Jesus Christ. May every tree we see be a symbol that reminds us that we are part of that family tree. By grace, you've brought us onto it. We thank you for the good news 
of Christmas in this Advent season. Oh yes, they're complicated, but Lord, we know that you love us. For we have loved you. been listening to the RPC Sermons podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.